message this morning and this evening. This morning, I always say, I can tell in the evening, those who have had a nap, they say good morning in the evening. And you've also got a rat's nest in the back of your head there where you've been laying down on your recliner. <laughs> 25 people just fixed their hair back there. <laughs> Brother Rogers didn't, but anyway. trying to make everybody mad I guess before I preach but anyway verse 52 for they considered not the miracle of the loaves for their heart was hardened for their heart was hardened what do you do when your heart goes numb what do you do when your heart goes numb you don't want it to you love what you do you love the privileges and opportunities God has given you and then all of a sudden your heart just sort of goes numb you lose your feelings you lose your emotion but you don't want to what do you do? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight in the message. I want to be of help to a lot of people tonight and not just in this building. Lord, that uh, the men across the country that I have the privilege to love and to know and be an encouragement to, I pray that this message would be of help. Uh, Lord, uh, not only tonight but throughout the days and weeks to come. I pray for the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you for your promises. I thank you, Lord, that you said you'll pour water on him who is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. And I hunger tonight, I thirst tonight for the presence of the Holy Spirit. I'd love to help some children and teenagers tonight. I'd love to help some moms and dads and some faithful servants and workers. And help me as I preach, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A part of the ministry the Lord has given to me is preaching in revivals and conferences around the country week after week. I don't have any hobbies of such other than preaching. I get to go golfing with the fellows once a year or so, and, and um, I go because they eat really well when they go. They eat really well. and uh, but, but I enjoy the ministry and God has given me that opportunity. I've never sought that. And to be honest, I've been quite surprised week after week, year after year, as I'm invited to preach in churches across the country. And we have a growing number of young men who have graduated from Commonwealth. And I'm so excited about what God is using them to do. I got a text message from Brother Joe Moore, who pastors there in Pennsylvania. And they had over 200 in church this morning. And uh, had a lot of folks saved, and he was just so excited. And I'm thankful for that opportunity. Brother Davis just preached in Alabama Friday night and Saturday. Brother John Ross is a youth pastor down there. And having a youth conference in churches from around that region came to the youth conference. It's a blessing to see these young men making a difference for the cause of Christ. This last week, I believe there were 50-plus pastors that were present in the services where I preached. And just about every day, I'll talk to six to ten preachers, young and old. And in recent days, I have talked to several men who have made a statement, something like, Preacher, sometimes I just feel empty and even useless. Sometimes I feel like I'm a failure because I don't always stay excited about every sermon, about every service. 
I'm struggling. I'm struggling and I'm being faithful and not done anything wrong. I'm just, I'm just struggling to keep that enthusiasm and to keep that excitement. And, and the truth is things are going well in church and things are going well in life and well in ministry. It just seems like my heart is numb. The truth is all of us at times can make the same statement. We get to a place in life where we feel like we're down or low or empty or useless. One of the encouraging things that I find as I face the difficulties of life and the trials of life, when I open this Bible, I find that others face the same difficulty. And I'm always glad when the Lord Jesus is a part of that difficulty because he gives them the answer. He tells them what to do. I love college when the days are exciting and the conferences and there's just an enthusiasm and yet there are some days that we just go to class and we just go to chapel and we just do our work. The disciples faced that very thing and the Bible says that their heart was hardened. Now what that meant was it was calloused. It was callous. Now callous doesn't come from being lazy. A callous comes from hard work. Lazy people don't have calluses. Working people have calluses. And sometimes we get callous because of our work and our continual work and effort. And there's always a lot of activities and a lot of always programs and things that are going on. After reading the four gospels many times through, you'll find that this was a reoccurring situation. Various men would work and serve, men and ladies. Miracles would take place. God would bless. And they would be surprised that their heart had grown cold toward spiritual things or toward their personal responsibilities of life. I think all of us at times in our roles and responsibilities of life, we, 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 we grow a little cold or a little calloused in heart. Sometimes as a father, as a husband. Sometimes as a mother and a wife, as a teacher in the various programs of church from music to sports, from the bus ministry to the Sunday school, from the teen department to the bus driver to security and usher and greeter and all of that, sometimes our heart just grows cold. I don't have time to chronicle by story everything that happens in the gospel of Mark in chapter 6, but a lot of things took place that would take a lot out of these disciples. First of all, they were just busy in ministry. They were going everywhere, day to day, village to village, town to town, house to house, helping others. They were giving of themselves. In this chapter, they hear that John the Baptist is not only dead, but he's been martyred, he's been murdered, he's been beheaded. They take up the body of John. They take his body, they take his head, they put it in some type of a coffin or casket, and they have the funeral of the most beloved preacher they'd ever known. The one that Jesus said no one has ever worn sandals. That was a greater preacher than John the Baptist. You can imagine how empty they must have felt when their leader, their hero, their, the, the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ is dead. When Jesus told them of what was going on, he commented that they'd been so busy they'd not had time to enjoy a meal. They'd just eaten snack to snack. Sometimes that's the way life is. You get busy and just eat on the run. I stay in a run all the time. I eat in a run, so I eat all the time. I've said to folks, I don't have to eat any more meals. I could snack my way to heaven and 
folks have said you'll probably get there quicker too eating like that but but they were busy they hadn't had time for a meal and Jesus was current concerned about them and he told them he said you need to come apart and rest a while so they're getting the boat ready they're going to take some type of a rest some type of a vacation and they're no doubt excited we always get excited when we have days off I'm already excited about a trip in June to get to spend time with family I Always look forward to those. Always look forward to times of rest. Somebody says as the disciples are getting in the boat, hey, there's the disciples. And someone else says, there's Jesus. And a crowd gathers. Some 15,000 people show up. And Jesus begins to teach. And he teaches. And he teaches. And he teaches some more. It was not a 32-minute Sunday night sermon. It wasn't a 29-minute Sunday morning sermon. He taught and he taught and he taught. And the disciples said, in the kindest way they knew how, telling him to stop, they said, Jesus, these people are hungry, and if you don't send them home pretty fast, they're not going to be able to get home in time to eat supper. I don't think they cared about the people eating. I think they wanted to go on vacation. And Jesus said, what do you have to feed them? They started figuring what they had. One said, you want me to go to town and get food that's needed? I don't think he meant that either, but I think he was willing to do it. You know, the story takes just a five loaves and two fishes, and, and, uh, and, and he feeds the multitude. Can you imagine how much time it took to feed 15,000 people? That's a lot of time, maybe 20,000 people. They finally get in a boat and they finally make their way and the people are gone. The bus route has been run. The bus is parked. The candy wrappers have been cleaned up. The things that have been spilled and spit on the floor have been all mopped up. The day has ended. They look forward to a time of rest and a storm comes. What a great time for a storm. First day of vacation. Jesus comes to them and they discovered that their heart has become hardened. All of us come to those places in life. What do we do? I'm going to give you some statements tonight that I hope will help us when our heart goes numb. First of all, I'm glad God knows me and he doesn't throw me away when my heart gets cold. I'm glad he doesn't dismiss me from my work. I'm glad he doesn't take me away from being a father or a husband or a preacher or a soul winner or a servant, as his worker. I'm glad when my heart gets cold, he still loves me. He loves me as I am. I want you to take your Bibles and go to Psalm number 78. And I want to say to you tonight, I don't care where you are in your Christian life, God loves you. If he loved you as a sinner, he, loved you as, he loves you as his son. God loves you tonight. Hey, worker, faithful worker, you're tired and weary. Some of you, Brother Young, is looking forward to the third week of May coming to a close. That, that, that's just a part of our work. It's a part of our life. Notice what the Bible says in Psalm 78 and verse number 35. And they remembered that God was their rock and the high God their redeemer. Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth and they lied unto him with their tongues. For their heart was not right with him. Neither were they steadfast in his covenant. I love verse 38. You want to make note of it. But he, being full of compassion 
forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not, yea, many a time, not once, not twice, but repeatedly turned he his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath, for he remembered that they were but flesh. A wind that passeth away and cometh not again. Aren't you glad that God knows us and he still loves us? Aren't you glad that when you get tired and weary and even say things you don't mean and feel things you don't want to feel and frustrations that you don't want to have, aren't you glad that God lets you keep on serving Him and God still loves us? Take your Bible and go to Psalm 103. There are many of these like this. I'll just show you these two. Psalm 103. It'll do you good to go through the Scripture and just look to see how many times. Make note of how many times God loves you, not just when you're doing well, not just when your bus route is a record attendance and your Sunday school class is filled with visitors and your soul winning book has brand new names in it and there are visitors sitting beside you. He loves you in those times certainly and he's proud of us when we bear fruit and when we bear much fruit. Ah, but when we're down and things are not as, uh, as they once were, God still loves us. Psalm 103, the Bible says in verse number 13, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. Expect that you'll not always keep the same excitement, the same expectation, the same enthusiasm for the things of life. We'll be up, we'll be down, but thank God, God knows us and God still loves us. Jesus didn't say, Peter, if you mess up one more time, you're out. Jesus said, Peter, when thou art converted, when you learn this next lesson of failure, I want you to strengthen your brethren. I want you to tell them and teach them so they don't make the same foolish mistake you're about to make when thou art converted. Strengthen the brethren. He knew Peter would come back. He knew he would come back strong. I'm not making excuses for being down, discouraged, or numb. I'm not making excuses. I'm not trying to get us to feel that way. I'm just saying it does happen, and God knows that it will, but he still loves me. I want to say number two, truth is truth regardless of how I feel. <laughs> I love this tonight. Truth is truth regardless of how I feel. You know, he loves me whether I feel like he loves me or not. You know I'm saved whether I feel like I'm saved or not. I'm a child of the king whether I feel like I'm excited or not. I'm going to heaven whether I'm excited about it or not. Heaven is my home. My name's written in the Lamb's book of life. I have a mansion that's in heaven and whether I'm stirred about that and sometimes I'm so stirred in my travels and driving down the highway that I need to put the windshield wipers on the inside instead of the outside and yet sometimes there is no excitement. There is no enthusiasm, and sometimes I get frustrated because I want to be excited. always want to be happy and positive and filled with joy, but sometimes that's not the way it is. I'm glad truth is truth regardless of how I feel. I'm glad his promises are promises regardless of how I feel, and I'm glad that though I change, he never changes. Though I'm not always faithful, he's always faithful. He is who he is. Thank God truth never changes. Even though John, asked the, John the Baptist asked the question, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Even though John asked the question, 
The truth never changed. He was who he said he was. I love the answer that he gave. He told John's disciples, he said, the poor have the gospel preached to them. The blind receive their sight. He told them of his miracles that were going on and he was doing exactly what John had said he would do. And, the, and, and those disciples went away to take the good news to John. Yes, he is the Christ. Oh, but before Jesus finished, he said to the crowd, there's never been a greater preacher in life than John the Baptist. And I want everybody to know, though John may be discouraged and in prison and will soon give his life for the truth's sake, there's never been a greater in Jesus, never chastised, chastened, or corrected John for asking that question. Truth is truth regardless of how I feel. I read those words of Paul that great apostle, that great preacher, that great missionary, that wonderful transformed man into a child of God and a servant of God when he faced the temptations of his flesh, I can hear him in anguish say, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? He hated the fact that he lived in a sinful and a fallen flesh. He hated that. He despised that. He loved God. He wanted to serve God. And he hated that all he had to give him was a fallen flesh. But I can understand as he says those things, I'm glad that no matter how Paul felt, truth is truth. His promises are promises no matter how I feel. I say, number one, God knows us and he still loves us. Truth is truth. Promises are promises regardless of how I feel. I want to say number three. Accept the grace that God gives you. Accept it. Accept the grace that God extends. You already feel bad. There's no need to beat yourself up. We're not trying to be beat up. We're trying to get back where we can serve. And the truth is we need to serve with enthusiasm. It's more fun to serve with enthusiasm. It's more, the singing's better when there's a delight in our soul. The music is better when there's a, a spring in our step and a joy and we're prepared and we, well, that's what we want. We want to be eager to win souls. We want to be eager to read the Bible. We want to be eager to find our place in prayer and spend time and walk with God. We desire that. We want that. Ah, but can I tell you that sometimes that joy, that excitement, when it is not there, except the grace that God extends to you. It's okay to be tired. It's okay for your heart to be hardened. It's just not okay for it to stay that way. This property behind us, some 50 acres behind us of beautiful property right now, the ground is hard. Last year was a crop of soybeans behind it. The year before that, corn. This year, marijuana now that it's legal. <laughs> you can hear me, can't you? And you are listening. That's an encouragement. Hey, you can only get a few dollars for corn. One fellow said, I made a lot more money selling my corn by the gallon than I did by the bushel. I won't tell you that was Brother Rogers. I won't tell you that. <laughs> Every year the ground gets hard. 
is natural. We're not going to say, hey, we put up a sign, we're giving away this property, the ground's hard. No, they're going to take a plow and they're going to break it up. They're going to put new seed in the ground. In just a few weeks, you'll come and you'll see that field and it'll have either soybeans or corn. I was only joking about the other. Either soybeans or corn. And you'll see those beautiful rows as they begin to grow. It's all right if your heart gets hard. Now, it can't stay that way. Don't say, I'm going to let my heart stay hard. Don't say that. Don't accept that. Don't allow that. But accept the grace that God extends to you. Look at me. I want to tell you something. You know you want to do right. God knows you want to do right. I know you want to do right. I know you want to please God. Don't you get frustrated when you fail? I believe with all of my heart, every child and every teenager in this building tonight, I believe you want to do right. You want to please God. Yet sometimes we fail. I believe every man and woman, every parent and grandparent, we want to be the best parents. We want to be the best grandparents. We desire to be the best song leader, the best youth pastor, the best bus captain and soul winner that we can be. We want to be the best we can be. And sometimes we fail and sometimes we get discouraged. I think often of Elijah who got discouraged and he told the Lord to kill him. Now you know what I have to say about that. Elijah didn't mean that. Elijah didn't want to die. Jezebel told him the day before, I'm going to kill you in the next 24 hours. And he ran for his life. He got where he was going. He was just having a pity party and he wanted God to provide the cake. Moses said, I'm not able. I'm not able. You ever feel like you can't do what God's called you to do? You ever feel like somebody could do this better than me? I don't know why I'm doing this. Surely somebody could do a better job than I'm doing. That's what Moses said often. I'm not able to do this. Hey, Moses, you're the man God chose. Hey, Mom. Hey, Dad. God gave you those children. They're yours. God knew what he was doing. God knew the responsibility that you would have. And sometimes it's overwhelming. And sometimes it's overbearing. But I say tonight, you're in the same company of a great crowd of people who said, Kill me, Lord. I'm not able. John Mark said, I quit. He just went back home. I think God just filed his resignation with all the other resignations that he had. And when John Mark said, God, can I? God said, well, sure you can. Get back over here and get to work. God used him to write the book that we're reading from tonight. What a wonderful God. Hey, accept the grace God's given to you. God understands. Accept the grace. Now, let me say number four. Revisit what caused you to commit to a place of service. I wish I had 30 minutes here. Revisit what caused you to commit to your place of service. Why did you get saved? 
You remember the burden of sin that you had? You remember the fear that you had? You remember the thoughts that you had of dying and going to hell? And you were so glad when you trusted Christ and the burden of sin was rolled away and you knew your name was written down in heaven? Go back and remember when you were lost. Go back and remember the burden that you carried of sin. It'll make you thankful that you're a child of God. Why did you commit your life to serve God? Why did you commit to rearing your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? Why did you commit to your place of service? Why did you commit to being faithful to church? Why did you commit to being faithful in your walk with God? Go back and revisit the reasons why and it will cause you to be stirred again and to remember I got saved because I was on my way to hell. I gave my life to serve God because somebody has to make a difference. I decided to rear my children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord because I didn't want the world and the devil to destroy them. I didn't want the heartache and the pain that would come from them living a life that was wrecked and ruined. I didn't want that. That's why I committed to be faithful to church. That's why I committed to rearing them to serve the Lord. You remember the day that you held that child for the first time in your arms? And how you realized in that day you need to be committed in your walk with God? Sometimes in the very best intentions and the very best work and responsibilities of life, our heart grows cold. That's okay. But listen to me tonight. Revisit what caused you to commit to that place of service. Revisit what caused you to commit to rearing your children for God. That caused you to commit to you being faithful in your walk with God. Preacher asked me last week, he said, Preacher, how long have you been traveling and preaching in addition to serving at your church. And as I thought, it's been at least 27 years. And he said, what, what, what keeps you going? I said, first of all, my five children, their spouses. My six grandchildren and those yet to come. And the young people that I see in our church. We have to keep going. You know I've learned you can do a lot of things. And, and be tired and still get it done. Sometimes our best work is when we're tired. And just, just by character we have to get it done. Revisit what caused you to commit to a place of service. Let me give you the last thing and I'll finish on time. Press on in serving others. You know, sometimes the ministry would be great if it wasn't for people. <laughs> but people is how we serve God. I found that there's something quite amazing about the strength being gained that, that comes from helping someone else. This morning I sent several text messages to pastors as always do, and this afternoon to pastors as always do, and I sent text messages to visitors that I had in church today and new converts and folks that I love and have helping them in their walk with God. And it's something that just gives me energy and strength by trying to strengthen and help others. Stay in your place of service. 
You may not feel like going to choir, but after you've gone, you'll be glad you went. You may not feel like working on your bus route, but when it's over, you'll be glad you went. And I don't know about you, I'll take the payday after work anytime than just living on the excitement that comes from before. I don't want my motivation to be before. I want it to be a reward at the end. Faithfulness is its own reward. Be in your place and work as an usher and in the nursery and security and teaching and keep up on the routines of life. Whether the feelings are there or not, the feelings will return. The happiness will return. Keep on praising God. Keep on singing. Not because you feel it, but because God deserves it. Press on in serving others. Find somebody to help this week. There are folks in a nursing home that would absolutely love a visit from you. You say, but, but I don't know them. You'll find they don't care if you know them or not. Visit someone in a hospital. Help someone that is in need. By the way, let others encourage you. You don't always have to be the one that encourages others. Do you know John allowed his disciples to encourage him? We all need encouragement and help at times. My staff are a blessing to me sometimes. I added that for humor. My family's a blessing to me. This church is a blessing to me. I don't come here and always lead. I always stand in the leadership place. Sometimes I come here and though I lead the service, I am encouraged by the follower. Philippians chapter 2, let nothing be done through strive or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own, th own things, but every man on the things of others. I appreciate your work. I thought about the Tinharas and the work that they do. Hey, he, he can teach anything from ABCs to trigonometry or whatever those words. I don't even know the name of the classes that he can teach. Brother Watts gave an amazing speech last night or Friday night at the sports banquet. They encourage me. Brother and Mrs. Carr overseeing and sometimes you tend to forget all the things that are going on until you go to those events and you realize how many folks are investing in others. I get so excited about what God's doing just seeing what's going on. Three things not to do. You can go ahead and stand. I'm finishing. Or at least I'm trying. Three things not to do. First of all, don't lose control of your thinking. Everyone is not against you. The devil's a liar. It's not true. People do appreciate what you do, but if they don't, God does. Number two, don't quit. Number three, number three don't change your friends or influence because you're down. Don't change your friends. Don't change your influence. When things go wrong as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high, you want to smile but you have to sigh. When care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must but don't quit. When life is odd with its twists and turns as every one of us sometimes learns and a, many a failure turns about when he might have won if he'd have stuck it out. Don't give up the pace, 
Though the pace seems low, you might succeed with one more blow. Often the struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup. And he learned too late when the night slipped down how, clo how close he was to the golden crown. You see, success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint of clouds of doubt. And you never can tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems afar. So stick to the fight, especially when your heart is hit. It's when things seems worse that you must not quit. Heavenly Father, thank you for your...